Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is January 19th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we have more news about Deshaun Watson. I know some people, uh, they may be a little bit worn out with hearing about Deshaun Watson, but that is one of the biggest headlines across not only the NFL, but for Miami Dolphins news. So there's going to be more Deshaun Watson talk in today's episode. And then we're also going to be discussing uh, that report from last week that several players anonymously were bashing Tua Tungvaluwa. I'm going to give some brief thoughts on that just to kind of give my uh, general opinion about what occurred there. Now, Now, uh, first things first, a little disclaimer. I said this last time, but just to go and reiterate this again, because there's going to be some more praising about Deshaun Watson. For me, it doesn't have any correlation with how I feel about Tua. I know some people felt like I was giving up on Tua. It rubbed him off the wrong way when I was discussing Deshaun Watson in a positive light. I think the main takeaway before I even dive into this is that the Dolphins are in a win-win situation, and I'm in favor of both directions that they could go in. On one side, you have Tua Tungavailoa, who has a ton of potential. He is untapped, and you have the ability to surround him with some talent. And one of those guys you have at number three could potentially be Devontae Smith, a guy that I love who looked tremendous in the national championship game. And at that number three pick, it looks very hard to pass up on that kind of talent. And he also has experience with Tua. It just looks like a match made in heaven. On top of that, you could add a guy like Najee Harris. You could add a guy like Jamar Chase. You could get a big free agent like Allen Robinson or maybe just add a solid veteran to this team like Marvin Jones but overall the opportunity uh, to get that kind of talent and surround Tua with that is still a very good approach and I'm in favor of both of these moves the other of those being the Dolphins trade potentially uh, Tua and some first round picks to bring in a guy that I consider to be a top five quarterback definitely an elite one by every stretch of the word so I just think both options are very promising and if the Dolphins elect to uh, pick one or the other, I'm going to ride with them. I think they are both very good options in terms of helping the team. And I just want everyone to remember, I think we're all rooting for the same end goal here and for the Dolphins to be successful. At the end of the day, this is just a discussion. I imagine the Dolphins GM situation, everyone in that building is having these discussions too. And I don't imagine there's people in that building saying, no, you can't talk about that because that means you're giving up on two. At the end of the day, we're just just talking and I don't really understand why on Twitter it's really become such a hostile and just overall a very hard topic to even talk about without upsetting people. So at the end of the day just remember we're having an open discussion with the same end goal in mind. Now here when it comes to Deshaun Watson and the news that's been coming out recently it's kind of been the same uh, major headline reiterated in several different ways. I mean we heard for many days that Deshaun Watson was dissatisfied with the situation in Houston and then we heard Adam Schefter say a report that Watson was at a 2 when they traded Hopkins, but now he is at a 10. And then Deshaun Watson went on Twitter and said, I went from 2 to 10, which is a lyrics from a song. And then we had earlier that Deshaun Watson may have played his last game with Houston. The relationship does not seem salvageable, and the only thing the Texans could do was if Cal McNair elected to fire himself, which of course is not going to happen. So overall, just the same headline being reiterated that Deshaun Watson is just 
generally dissatisfied with the situation in Houston. And by the time you're listening to this, there may have been a new wording on the exact same situation, just uh, portraying how mad he is about the whole situation. So a quick little side note that I do think is important to mention here is that uh, the Texans had an interview with Eric Bieniemy. They got permission to interview him. The interview was conducted for their head coaching job. This is a guy that apparently Deshaun Watson really wanted to be the head coach. So that might be a good last ditch effort if the Texans want any hope of keeping Deshaun Watson. I think getting a guy like Eric Bieniemy may be the only opportunity left to get him. So even though that happened, keep an eye on that. You know, if the Chiefs lose in the AFC Championship game or if they win the Super Bowl or lose the Super Bowl, we won't be able to find out till then. But that might be the only thing that keeps Deshaun Watson as a member of the Texans. Now, of course, we heard last time that Deshaun Watson prefers Miami as a destination point, which is something that a lot of Dolphin fans are very excited to hear, not only because of the talent Watson brings, because it also shows a general shift in the perception of winning football coming back to Miami and people who are, you know, very good free agents or good guys who are potentially going to be traded. They want to come to Miami to play football here. I think that's a very good sign, uh, just generally speaking. But now another little interesting thing came out of in the last few days, and it's this general sentiment that the Jets may be the ones to offer up a big move for Deshaun Watson. The Jets currently, of course, have that second overall pick, which presumably up until now is going to be used on Justin Fields, who's regarded as the second best quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence, but they have the ability to throw a good package at the Texans to go bring in a guy like Watson. They have that second overall pick, and they were also able to get two first round picks in that trade for Jamal Adams. Of course, the Jets, are they're a franchise that have been struggling for years now. Uh, they had a horrible regime over there with Adam Gase, just a reputation, everything about it was just horrible. So now they have a new head coach there, former 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh. So I will say there is the potential there for him to be able to shift the culture and maybe build a winning atmosphere over there in New York. Who knows, Watson may even like the idea of a big market in New York. But at the end of the day, I think Miami is just a very appealing place for a guy to be, especially a star quarterback. I mean, if you look at first the climate, we see how many guys during the offseason uh, either have a home in Miami or they come over here to Florida uh, to train. They prefer this kind of warm and nice climate. On top of that, Miami is creating a new winning atmosphere that I mentioned earlier, potentially attracting guys. Though I said the Jets could build a winning atmosphere and a new culture, the Dolphins already have, and I think people are taking notice of what Brian Flores is doing here, and they want to come play for him. And then on top of that, you know, you have the whole no state income tax, which makes Florida just generally very appealing. So there's a whole bunch of things that I think could make Miami a more appealing place than being a player for the New York Jets. So again, I want to reiterate here, this is again a win-win situation for Miami. Either they get a top five quarterback, a guy who is 25 years old. It's very rare, I, I think, for a guy of this talent and this age, frankly, to hit the open market, even though this is not free agency and it's a trade. We saw the lucrative, just massive deal that a guy like Kirk Cousins got. And Cousins, frankly, just doesn't stack up to Watson in the slightest of bits. I mean, Deshaun Watson is that good. And there was a reason that the quarterback position is the most important, maybe not just in football, but in all of sports. And they get paid like it too. So Deshaun Watson will come at a hefty fee, not just trade-wise, but also in terms of his contract. And I think that is what people are very weary 
angry about when it comes to Watson. And I want to say that, again, I don't think either of these decisions is a bad one. And I really want to get that across, that either one of them is good. And I do see people on Twitter kind of making the same argument that, that I've kind of been trying to counter for days. I mentioned it a ton in that last episode. Uh, but I want to just reiterate what I kind of said in that episode. And it was that uh, people on Twitter are having this argument that if you bring in a guy like Deshaun Watson, that would require trading your first uh, first round picks likely. So I understand that. And those picks, the ones that would presumably be used to get a guy like Devontae Smith, which I'm in favor of, or get a guy like Jamar Chase, or get a guy like Najee Harris, you wouldn't be able to do that if you go and you make a trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson because you have to give up those picks. And trust me, I understand. But I just really don't agree with this whole idea that if you trade those first round picks, then all of a sudden Deshaun Watson has no weapons around him and he can't produce because he has no weapons. And people are saying that. But again, I will point to the guys who are in the playoffs currently for these teams. You have Patrick Mahomes throwing to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman. None of those guys are first round picks. You have the Browns and they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Neither of those guys are first round running backs. And you have Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. The Packers have Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, who was undrafted. None of those guys were in the first round. Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Ronald Jones for the Bucks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Cam Akers, Stephon Diggs, fifth round pick, uh, Cole Beasley, undrafted, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, a running back that Dolphin fans really wanted uh, the Finns to go after, and then Alvin Kamara. And these are all guys who are taken outside of the first round, but nobody's going to point to those teams and say there is a clear lack of weapons because they're not first rounders. And uh, trust me, I understand the counter people are giving back to me where they go back and they say that, uh, you know, a first round pick greatly increases your chances of getting an elite talent. And trust me, guys, I understand and I completely agree. I mean, that's just that's how the draft works. I'm not oblivious to this idea. If you have an earlier pick that gives you the opportunity to get what is supposed to be the better guy. Trust me, guys, I understand how the draft works. But at the same time, you have to recognize the flip side that what can a top five quarterback do to a talent who may not be a first rounder? Because people are saying that the chances of them succeeding greatly increase if they're a first rounder. How about the chances of them succeeding if they have a top five quarterback throwing them the ball? I mean, is Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill if Patrick Mahomes isn't the one throwing him the ball? I mean, I think Jerry Judy is one of the best receiving prospects to come out in recent years, but I don't know if he'll ever be able to be Tyreek Hill because he has Drew Locke currently throwing him the ball. Even though he is that good, I don't know if he's going to be able to match that production. And the same thing goes for a guy like Allen Robinson, just talent through the roof, could be a top five wide receiver in the NFL production-wise, but I don't know if he ever will meet that potential because his quarterback is Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not saying that I think Tua is going to be Mitch Trubisky or is going to be Drew Locke. Again, keep Tua completely out of this conversation. I'm just trying to say that you can still find viable weapons. Maybe the chances aren't as great, but you can still find viable weapons outside of that first round. And the chances of them being good go up exponentially when you have an elite quarterback throwing them the ball off the rip. And that is what currently Deshaun Watson is. So maybe you don't have those first round picks and you can't land the Devontae Smith or you can't land the Jamar Chase, but you go out and you pick the best uh, receiver available in the second round, he could be your A.J. Brown. He could be 
your DK Metcalf. He could be your Jarvis Landry. And the chances of them being good are higher because the quarterback. As I mentioned earlier, there is a reason the quarterback is the most valuable position in all of sports because they have an ability, uh, one person, individual ability to make a whole offense better, a whole team better in a way that no other individual can do. There is a reason they are the most valuable position in all of sports because they can do that. As we even saw this season, Deshaun Watson led the entire NFL in passing yards and he did not have a star-studded group of receivers. I mean, there is a potential. If you add Deshaun Watson, maybe Devontae Parker takes a massive leap. I mean, if we look at Aaron Rodgers, is Robert Tunyon on an NFL roster if Aaron Rodgers is not the one throwing him the ball? You know, is Alan Lazard even a wide receiver too for his team if Aaron Rodgers isn't the one throwing him the ball? Or if there is a game, for instance, where Tyreek Hill can't play because of an injury, are we going to bet against Patrick Mahomes because instead of Tyreek Hill, he has to throw to guys like Demarcus Robinson or Sammy Watkins or uh, Nicole Hardman or Byron Pringle? Are we going to bet against Mahomes? No, because he's that good. He's an elite talent. He makes the guys around him that much better. So I think people are downplaying this idea that Deshaun Watson will have no weapons, where even if you give him some solid guys, he has the potential to make them into more. That is why you see these teams that are in the playoffs constantly have these great quarterbacks. I mean, for years, Tom Brady, his wide receiver, one was a slot receiver named Julian Edelman that, guess what? He also wasn't picked in the first round, yet I don't think people were going to bet against Tom Brady any day in the playoffs, even though he didn't have that true wide receiver one, because at the end of the day, the quarterback has that much value. So to kind of sum up this point again, I'm not trying to say that this is automatically the better direction for the Dolphins to take, because as I mentioned, I really also like the idea of going Devontae Smith. I like that. And I'm in favor of both of these routes the Dolphins could take in order to get to that same end goal we all want to see. But I'm just saying this to kind of showcase why the Deshaun Watson side is still a good one, even though the Tua side with Devontae Smith is clearly an awesome idea because you have all that draft capital, you have all that cap space, the Deshaun Watson side doesn't look too bad either. So that is going to sum up that point. Now we're going to move on to the next one here, and it's this uh, report that came out from the Miami Herald, Armando Salguero. He was catching a whole lot of flack for this article, and it was because there were three anonymous players who came out and spoke against Tua. They were just generally saying that they were caught off guard, that he was named the starter at the time that he was. They all felt like Fitzpatrick was the better of the quarterbacks, and they didn't really see anything in training camp aside from his accuracy that really stood out to them that would make them think that he's going to transition into becoming an elite quarterback. And then, as you could imagine, uh, you know, Dolphins Twitter just kind of freaked out, turned into a huge uh, just mess over there, just pure chaos, and rightly so. I understand why the general sentiment was uh, of this frustration and anger, but I'm going to tell you guys why it didn't really anger me too much. I kind of, you know, I didn't brush it off. I read the article. I took away what I could from it, but at the same time, I wasn't going to let it anger me, and that's for a few reasons. The first of those being, it was an anonymous article. I mean, we don't know who these guys were, and I'm not inclined to believe it's guys like Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, guys who I think have true value to this team in terms of their long-term 
success. These could have been guys on the practice squad who we don't even know if they have any sort of role with the team moving forward. And with that in mind, I just can't find myself to be angered by an anonymous opinion by someone who I don't even know what kind of importance they have to this team. And then the other reason was because just generally in life, not even just in football, these things happen. I mean, you can't make everybody like you. And I, I think if even if you asked a guy like Tua, if he's heard this before from other people, he'd tell you countless times. I mean, I could only imagine how many doubters a guy in the spotlight has. And, you know, sure, I mean, I could imagine that uh, it being from within your own building makes it a little bit worse. But at the same time, I mean, uh, this just happens. There's always going to be people who don't root for you, who root against you, who doubt you. It just happens. And I'm sure that you can find this again, not just in football, but maybe even in your own workspace, wherever you are. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to think you're talented. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as you can come out there and perform. So even at the end of the day, if Tua comes out here next season, puts up numbers, we'll be able to point to some statistics. You know, numbers don't lie. And look at how he performed. So I'm not going to sit here and say whether these players are right or whether they're wrong, because in a few months, we're likely going to be able to get a good gist of whether they were right or wrong. And there's just no sense in arguing with people who I don't even know what their identity is or what kind of opinions they hold or how they got to this point where they uh, can assess that. So at the end of the day, I understand your frustration. I, I'm just, I'm not digging too far into it just because it just seemed like uh, something to stir the pot. And again, this was three anonymous sources. I could only imagine, as we have seen all season, how many guys spoke in favor of Tua. So I'm not going to buy into it too much. I mean, there are probably a dozen or maybe even more guys who said positive quotes about him, but it didn't make the article because it's not as newsworthy as, you know, some guys speaking against a potential franchise quarterback from within the un within the same organization. And, you know, it just makes sense why this one would generate more clicks. And it really did seem to actually work as intended, I believe. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to share your opinion with me, you can do so. That is at Shady Steven and at Via the Source. Feel free to follow me. If you have any topics or questions that you would like for me to discuss in future episodes, feel free to send them to me also on Twitter. If you enjoy the episode, uh, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. That would help a lot. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for all the support. Really does mean a lot. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.